This is Sky, and you are listening to Look Up, I'm Here. So this is going to be the continuation of The Forbidden. I know most of y'all have listened to probably like my five back-to-back episodes, and you are getting in tune, right? Getting to understand Sky and her, you know, um, upbringings and struggles and trials and tribulations. So we're going to rewind back to The Forbidden. So she gets greeted. I get greeted at JFK by the love of my life, my brown man. And I'm back in the hood. And it was a culture shock for me. So the culture shock was I went straight to stay with him and his family. And I was back from, you know, from Yemen, back in New York City. And I felt like a whole piece of me, like, disappeared, right? I just really didn't know me. So I'm like 16, 17, and I'm just like, yo, who the fuck am I? Because I don't have a family no more. Parents obviously disowned me. And I'm with this man that I love, and I entrusted in him. So I'm like, yo, this guy can't, I can't lose this guy, because if I lose him, I lose everything. So I had to be on my best behavior. His mama, who is my savior to this day, you know, it was just sitting down with me, having conversations with me. Just like, hey, listen, you know, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And I'm just like, I need to finish school. Like, um, I was a straight A student. Like, I need to get back to school because I need to go to college and I need to, you know, be on my own and learn. Um, but I don't know how to be on my own. I don't know anything about that. Meaning, I was like literally sheltered. So even though I wasn't happy at home and I was dealing with all the nonsense at home, I still was sheltered. I didn't know anything about taking care of myself. And the few weeks that I was, when I was on the run, you know, I was on the run. I was hiding. I didn't go outside. I didn't do anything because, you know, my man was not trying to have me or, or allow anything to help, to cause me to get caught. And that was why I still didn't know what was going on. So coming back from Yemen and coming back and living with him and moving with him and his family and I didn't have any family. Like, I had no sister. I had no mother. I have no brother. I have nothing. Nobody. Nobody. And he was all I had. And whoever he had is who I tried to, you know, hold on to. And, you know, it was just crazy. It was just psychologically a crazy moment for me. And I, there's a certain aspects of it that I still hold dear to me because I, you know, it was good. And then it was a lot of bad. Then it was, like, good. And then it was, like, very terrible. Um, and... Just the emotional baggage that I was carrying, the since I was with the forbidden and I did the forbidden and I lost everything. And when I say everything, I lost my family. Um, that took a toll on me. Uh, I had to hold my mouth. I had to hold it in. I had to keep quiet. I had to stay solo. I had to, you know, make new friends, make my new identity, got myself a new name. You know, his um, mama helped me get back into high school. At that time, you know, when you dropped out, technically I dropped out, I had to re-enroll. And she was like, no, boo, you're not getting no GED. And I was like, I don't want a GED. And she's like, you're going to get yourself a high school. So I'm like, all right. So we looking through the yellow pages, flipping, 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 flipping. Boom, found the high school. Found the high school and re-enrolled. She got me in. She signed me in. While all this was happening, 
the honeymoon was changing, right? So it's just like, this man who I adored, um, he was a young man at that time too. He was like maybe like eight years older than me. And he also was a confused person. He was just dealing with so much and just all over the place, the drug game, you know, the street life. You know, I, I heard music that I never thought I would hear before. At some point, I was rapping, you know. <laughs> when he hears this podcast, he's probably going to start laughing. You know, he wrote me a couple of rhymes, taught me how to get on beats. I'm over here like, yeah, I'm be this Arab princess, you know. Um, and so I'm over here thinking like, you know, 17, I'm invincible. I, I left home. I'm a grown person. Nah, bruh, I wasn't. Um, that's real talk. But honeymoon stage changed. That shit was shaky as fuck. He and I wasn't like, seen eye to eye even though I wanted to not be home anymore and not fall under that that father's umbrella that that the drama that I was dealing with as a little Arab girl as the transition and the forbidden I still needed that nurturing I still needed that love and that attention and that you know conversations of why this is wrong and why that was wrong and that that was right so you know, when I'd be like, yo, why are you doing this? Don't worry about it. But it was just like, yo, I'm back in the same square. Like, I'm talking to you and I'm asking you a question and like, you don't want to answer me. So is you just like my father? Right? So it's like, this is crazy. Verbal abuse. That shit just happened to just pop out of nowhere. He just started getting frustrated with me. So I just started paying attention to my schooling. You know, with his mother's support, it was just like school, 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 school. And as he was changing... I needed to finish school. I want to drop a bomb on this episode, but because I'm I'm just trying to give it in the synapse manner. But shortly after I got back from Yemen, I came back like late 1996, and then like April 1997, I was pregnant. So that's the bomb in the continuation. So we're gonna count back. April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December. December 1997 is when I became a mama to my interracial daughter. Um, But we're going to go backwards just a a few months within the pregnancy. Boyfriend changes, abuse happens. And when I say abuse, it was verbal, physical, emotional, psychological. You know, and it was not provoked like purposely. It was, how do I deal with being away from my family? What am I doing? I'm with this guy whom I I was in love with and I'm pregnant. And he relied on the drug game. I was so zoned in into school. I tried to get myself a little side gig. I couldn't keep up. His mom was like, you know, just say faith. Things are going to get better. I'm going to be here for you. I'm going to help you guys out. And he just didn't understand. Like, he just, something clicked in his head. And I'm sure a lot of the baby mothers out there are going to get it. There's something that happens to these young men when they have these, you know, when they get pregnant and they have a baby. It's like, it's her problem. It's not my problem no more. No, motherfucker. It's our problem. Um, And, you know, on top of that, like, there was no money coming in. You know, nothing was selling. You know, he had to live up this this, this, this status quo in the hood. And I'm over here rocking the same goddamn jumper. You know, ooh, poor. 
dirt poor. Um, you know, just barely making it. You know, whatever his mother could hook me up with and help me out and feed me and stuff. It was crazy. Um, nothing that I wish anybody else to do. Nothing, something to flaunt about or to talk about. But yeah, shit was real. It was poor. So when the verbal abuse was happening, the emotional abuse was going on. He and I was just going back and forth. And then the physical abuse started kicking in. And I came from a home where if I did something, my dad would like hit me, right? He would throw something at me or hit me or threaten me. So the chaos was already embedded in me. So I expected it. But the chaos that I got myself into or the chaos that I was in with the forbidden, you know, the love of my life. That was some other type of shit. It was shit that I never thought really kind of existed until like in my 20s, in my 30s, in my 40s. Well, I just turned 40. Where I'm just thinking about it like, yo, that's some serious shit. Chaos to chaos. Abuse to abuse. And all of this manifested from where? Little Arab girl. So at that age, I'm 17 years old. I turn 18. I'm pregnant. I'm drinking quarter water and bag of chips. You know, my, I don't have any friends, and the friends that I have were so small, and, and my, I don't have high school friends. And then I'm in high school now, and I'm pregnant, and I'm trying to find my identity too now, right? So school frightens me because I'm like, where do I belong? Where do I belong? Because I struggled it all my life practically at that time. And I'm saying all my life then, not now. I'm got no problems. Um, I gravitate, and I meet people that I'm still... And I'm like humble to that they're, they're family to me. I love them to death. They're like my lifeline. So in high school, it's a night high school and I'm pregnant and I meet, you know, like minded students. And they were like four of them. And we're still friends to this day. It was crazy. Right. We're friends. We laugh. We talk about them, them era that days. You know, remember they used to give me their food from the lunchroom. And I used to just pack it with me coming into school, stressed out, tired, pregnant, 18 year old. You know, my best friend to this day was there with me through high school. You know, I'm like, yo, you and I are 23 years strong. You know, my my daughter's godmother, she was there for me, looking out for me, sleeping on floors with me, just trying to figure things out because we both were these young girls that was just like dealing with it. So, like, I still have people to this day that when they look at me, either they look at me because they're proud of me or they look at me saying, damn, she went through this. She resilient. She handled it. She took care of it. So, in this whole web of of the continuation I was like in fear of being dumped in fear of not be having a home in fear of losing someone who I have nothing he was my everything I needed him and if I didn't have him I would just be homeless in the street don't know anything else and I couldn't go back home because I was disowned and so my identity didn't matter who liked me didn't matter. I would cry in, cry out. It was just the most crazy thing ever. And, you know, it was to the point where it was like, I was so dirt poor and so tired and, and just, my lifeline was just the metric card that the school gave me, me going to school my last year, technically of high school, and which is, I'm, this is during my pregnancy. And, you know, my best friend, everybody's trying to scrape up whatever they can to make sure that I'm okay. And, so in the continuation, it was just like I dealt with the abuse at a young age. I'm already pregnant. So teenage pregnancy right there back in the late 90s. Just looked at you like you was this hoe. So you just like, oh shit, I'm pregnant and in high school. Something inside of me just did not let me 
fail. I was like, fuck it. I held on to the abuse because I genuinely loved the man. Went through trials and tribulations. His family started not feeling me. His mother's the only person that was there for me. He was just in and out, in and out. I just didn't know what to do anymore. But I didn't let it lose my focus. So I was talking to you know some counselors at the high school I used to go to in Manhattan. And they were like, yo, you need to get on public assistance. So I was like, what the fuck is that? Get on that shit. Go to the applications phases and stuff like that. Boom, boom, boom. I'm pregnant. They talking about they're going to give me a couple of dollars for food, a couple of dollars every two weeks. This is my, my, my food stamps. This is my cash. This is my Medicaid. Now I can go to the doctor. Now I can get checked out. Now I can do this. Now I come to do that. Then they tell me about the... My due date was like December something. So I'm like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. And I'm still in high school. So no family. I was just like, you would think that this is a lie. You would think this is something from a fucking movie. But nah, bruh, it's my movie. It's my real life. And I'm on this talk. And I'm over here doing my audio, audio book slash podcast on this. And I'm telling you guys, it was no joke. But just something about me did not let me not give up. I didn't give up on a relationship. I didn't give up on school. You know, I didn't give up on anybody who was there for me. And it was just like maybe five, six friends. Two at the time was my best friends. You know, of course, with this non-disclosure, no names will be prevailed. But therefore, you know who you are when you listen to this. But <laughs> just trying to be funny. And I was like, nah, I'm going to finish this high school graduated 1998 I had my daughter 97 June 1998 still smiling black eyes you name it emotional pain you name it physical pain you name it hunger pain you name it I still walk that freaking stage with my with my daughter with me and then my savior of course she was there with me through thick and thin you know he didn't be there. He wasn't there. He did not acknowledge my accomplishments. And I didn't know what it was. Um, and it was just a challenging time. So the continuation, the forbidden, I realize now when I'm like conducting and reiterating and talk about it and looking through my notes and flipping through my journal, I'm just like, yo, this is the start of, of, of this me you know, this resilient individual. Like, how many barriers am I going to get through? Mind you, this entire time, no guidance whatsoever. The only guidance that I got was when I met my savior. And she was my everything at that time. Because she was the mother of the man that I loved. She nurtured me. She stood by me. She fed me. She put a roof over my head. She did not make me feel that I could not accomplish anything, anything. And I made it through. Um, so I had the baby. December. This is, you know, I'm, I'm jumping around. So had the baby December. December 18, I had her. December 23rd, I had an exam. You will never believe this. I come out the hospital. December 22nd. Guess where I was at December 23rd? In my classroom with a rap baby, a three-day, four-day-old baby taking my exam. 
my teacher at that time was like, oh my God, oh my God, Sky, I can't believe this. Like, you know, you just would not let anything come across your way. I was like, no, I want to finish high school because now I'm a mom and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And I will, if I do not stand, I will f- and fall, I will not succeed. So it was a deep, 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 um, dark phase between the age of 17, 18, because before I was 19, I was already a mother and I've experienced so much. So we're going to just, you know, put a pin on this episode and continue on the next episode and understand what I did and how I did it and, and why I did it and to get where I needed to get to, to be where I am today. Right, because that's technically the continuation of the forbidden. I've done the forbidden. I've seen the forbidden. I've handled the forbidden. And I've succeeded in, and surpassed the forbidden. So therefore, the forbidden past tense is no longer forbidden present tense. Thank you for listening. Really appreciate it. This is a breakthrough moment for me. And I'm looking forward on the next excursions. Thank you for listening. Peace out.